Are you a new mother struggling with fatigue, stress, and feelings of overwhelm? Do you feel like you can never catch up on sleep, let alone take care of your own health and well-being? If so, you're not alone. Postnatal depletion affects countless mothers worldwide, but there is hope. Today, we're joined by an expert in helping exhausted mothers conquer fatigue and improve their overall well-being. In this episode, we'll explore the link between baby colic, gut health, and mental health, and share practical tips and strategies for combating postnatal depletion and reclaiming your life. So sit back, relax, and get ready to learn from one of the best in the business. Our guest today is Christiana Panacer. Christiana specializes in helping exhausted mothers conquer fatigue while helping their babies sleep so that they can ditch the postnatal depletion and become the mother, the businesswoman, and the lover they know they can be. Christiana, that's a, that's a lot of information there. Can you tell us a little bit more about who you are and, and a little bit of, of what you do? Definitely. First of all, thanks for having me, Tonya. And um yeah, how I came to this topic was uh, really through my own story and my own children. Um, after I overcame my, my own health challenges, I found it hard food holistic because I wanted to help others. But when I became a mother for the first time, I hit like a totally new wall of difficulties that I didn't expect. While I really, and you probably, you might know what I'm talking about. <laughs> While I really tried to prepare myself for, for pregnancy, healthy pregnancy, healthy childbirth and postpartum, I had like no idea really what postpartum meant because nobody really shared with me um, about their difficulties in postpartum before. So I, I really just expected I'd be back up, my, up on my feet after a few days. Um, but what I didn't know was that I would encounter this extreme, extreme sleep deprivation um, you might be able to relate, like I was sleeping on average about three hours at night. And the problem was that baby would just not sleep. Like she was up till almost four or five a.m. every day. And we went through like a typical case of what people would call baby colic. Um, and then the thing was when she finally slept, then I couldn't sleep anymore because I was just in this extreme hypervigilance where I could not shut down anymore. I was yeah. so worked up. I was so worried about her. Um, and I really felt like I was going insane at that time and felt really ashamed that I was going through this and that I couldn't handle things better. And I had just like the wrong expectations of everything as well. And I just didn't know what was going on with me, what I was doing wrong, why she wasn't sleeping. And I also didn't expect this kind of change in me, like from feeling like really capable to all of a sudden not being able to do like a healthy snack for myself anymore. And the weird thing was that I could take care of baby without a problem, but I could just not take care of myself anymore. I had like no sense of self-care, anything like that. And I didn't know why I was feeling so depleted, although I ate what was generally deemed as healthy. And I was already a nutritional consultant at that time, but not even nutrition school taught me how to help my baby and myself. So then the day my midwife popped by to see how I was doing, I could see on her face how I was doing, reflected back. Like she was just so mm. shocked to see this transformation in me. And she uttered the words postpartum depression. And it really shocked me in a good way because I was like, oh my God, like this is what might be going on with me. I'm not crazy. There's actually some explanation for what I'm going through. And I think this is really important for moms to hear because so many moms are being sent home by the doctor with just anxiety pills and reflex meds for baby and the recommendation to just wait it out. And that really ignited a spark in me when I, when I heard that possible <laughs> diagnosis of depression. And 
I went through like a few low points um, when and when I really realized how bad things were like one uh, one time which I share a lot with with my mums um, is where I was breaking down on the ground with my baby in my arm and I was crying and my husband came rushing and and he said what's wrong with the baby and I was like well the baby is okay I'm not okay and I started yelling at him and it was really good for me to to actually speak it out loud that I'm not okay and I need help and I could see like while the self-sacrifice and being so selfless is very noble um, as mums but I could see it, it was really going in an actually dangerous way and it it wasn't like that I couldn't take care of my baby anymore but it was just going in a direction of just the thought of oh my god if I'm not doing well she won't be doing well and I really just like a light weight went on in me and um so I started to look into this and I found out that there's actually more than just postpartum depression. There's something that's called postnatal depletion. And that's a syndrome that affects one out of two mothers, it's estimated. And baby colic actually affects one out of four babies. And that's just the official numbers. And I, I strongly believe that the unofficial numbers are much higher than that. And because I know it's a hard thing for moms to realize and to talk about. So for me, I just couldn't accept this. Well, just wait it out. This is just normal. I couldn't right. just keep on watching my baby suffer and not do anything about it to help her. So something in me also didn't believe that it was true that there's nothing I could do about it. So I wanted to turn things around and um, this postnatal depletion to, to stop this postpartum depression. And it was a journey, but fast forward, I found out how to help my baby with a colic and sleep which made all the difference for her and for us. And I found out how to help myself get over postnatal depletion, where I used my postnatal depletion recovery system, which I'm now helping moms with. And postnatal depletion is just something we have to take care of. Like I just had this strong urge to, after my own experience, to share this with moms and, and tell moms, okay, you don't have to wait it out. You don't have to suck it up. You, can, you don't need to wait for things to get worse, but you can actually overcome this and in way less time than, than I needed to overcome this. Wow. You know, you think about, um, especially because my target audience are families with special needs children, we find it easy sometimes to fight for our children, but yeah. you're right, to recognize a need in ourselves so that we can be that stronger advocate for our children. It's important. And that starts from those early, early days when we're we are all exhausted no one can go through that stage and not be exhausted <laughs> it um so it hits all of us at different ways so yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing more about this as 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 we talk more and that's, that can be such a good motivation you're totally right tonya um because often we might not speak up for ourselves or ask for help for ourselves but mm -hmm. when it's about a baby like then then we do and i wasn't really good at this before i became a mother to ask for help and i'm still not the best at it but I did it because it wasn't just for my own sake, but for, for my children. Yeah. Right. Right. Welcome to the Water Prairie Chronicles, a podcast created to encourage and support parents of special needs children. I'm Tonya Wallum, and I'm glad you're here. Well, we're going to talk more, but this season I've been asking each of my guests to prepare a little game that we're going to play, and it's called Two Truths and a Lie. If you have not been listening or are not familiar with the game, the guest is sharing three facts or pseudo facts about themselves and it's our job as listeners to decide which two we think are true and which one is a lie 
And we'll be posting these on Instagram and Twitter, and we'll an we'll post the answer a week after this episode releases. So if you want to try to post your guess out, um, go to those platforms. Or you can put it in the notes on the, the YouTube video and check back a week later to see the answer. So, Christiana, what are your two truths and a lie that you'd like to share with us? <laughs> so number one, I live on an acreage in Canada. Number two, I have a master's in literature, philosophy, and drama. And number three, I speak Latin fluently. So make sure that, that you try to see if you can guess guess what the answers are here, and we will post the final answer in, in, in a week after this is posted. But for the reason that we're on the, the call today, we wanted to talk some more about what we can learn on how to help both the babies and our moms. And um, so I know a lot of our parents that are listening may have older children, but sometimes they have larger families and they may be back through the stage again. And if not, they can at least help those neighbors and, and family members who are going into the stage of life that we're talking about. So Christiana, what are some of the common misconceptions about baby colic? I know what I've kind of heard, but what, if, what else is out there that, that parents may have heard about or been told when they had their children who may have had colic? Yeah, so first of all, colic, is a term that people, especially doctors, use when they actually don't know why the baby is crying. So a common definition of colic is when a baby's crying lasts for more than three hours a day, happens for more than three days a week, and occurs for more than three weeks. So that's, that's the definition of colic. It's, it's being defined by the length of a baby's crying. So it's a total misconception that this is just about the hours of the baby's crying, about um, right. that it's normal, that it's harmless, because that's what people are being told, and that it goes away on its own. So these are all misconceptions, because what most often happens is that things rather grow into even bigger problems, which can show in other symptoms such as eczema, ear infections, food sensitivities, or behavior problems slash mental health problems. So a big problem here is really the normalization of colic, which leads to that we're not listening to our children's symptoms anymore because they're being told it's just normal and we should just wait it out. Um, and often the only solution a doctor has to offer is um, symptom-suppressing meds, suppressing the healthy stomach acid, and to wait it out, which is really not a good idea because we actually don't get to why the baby's actually crying, like what is the root cause. Um, it's all just being put under the same umbrella. And if we, if we shut down digestion by suppressing our healthy stomach acid, you can imagine that that's not a good idea, especially if we do it like for a long period of time and that's where so many problems can come from. So we really need to ask the question, why is the baby crying and what is the baby communicating to us? Interesting. Now, my, my experience, my second child, my son, was diagnosed with colic, and it was the case that you're talking about. We're changing the formula. It, it was all digestive issues. That was what we were told, that it was just a matter of maybe he couldn't tolerate one type of milk. He had to have a different type. Um, and it was just pretty much grin and bear it until he got past that stage. And, um, and it was a long, a long period of time <laughs> with, with a lot and on my side a lot of checking on him to make sure that he was dry um, fed you know safe wherever he was nothing was wrapped around his fingers causing any pain and just letting him cry it out 
Um, and that's that's what we were told to do. So mm. exactly how you've described it is is the way that we were told to address it. I spent lots of hours washing dishes in the kitchen so that the water would help soothe my nerves yeah. <laughs> while I'm trying not to hear it quite as loud in the in the the background. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah. So speaking of that, having them cry it out and you know checking on those safety things that you want to check on first. How can a mother differentiate between that normal crying that all babies are going to go through because that's their first way of communicating and colic type of crying? Yeah, good question. Um, first of all, I want to say here that it's really important that mothers actually trust their gut instinct. Like if they feel there's something not quite right with baby, please investigate. Like even if others, even health practitioners say it's normal because like you're the expert of your baby. And by the way, you're also the expert of your own body. So it's, it's, it's really important to, to trust that. And second, um, not every crying is the same. Like if it's a sudden intense crying, for example, and baby hasn't been startled or anything like that, it can be a hint of that there's a baby's experiencing pain. Or if baby is just inconsolable for the longest time and not even milk or rocking and nothing works, like that's, that's another sign that there's something not quite right. Um, and what we call colic often comes together with other symptoms other than crying. Crying is also just a symptom really, such as other symptoms could be like a tight tummy or a gas or when baby does what looks like baby crunches, like just crunching together or baby making fists or arching back or any any redness on the skin or what we call diaper rash. It's not, not necessarily from diapers quite often. It's, it's not just from the diapers. Um, eczema and these kinds of things and also if there's any odd stool or any hard stool for example constipation so those are also other symptoms to, to see okay there's there's something going on and but again it's not about determining if it's colic or not because colic isn't a disease like what we call colic it's really just a symptom as well um, but it is about listening um, to our children's messages, and if it's unusual crying or other unusual behavior and other symptoms I, I just mentioned. So, so colic is just a symptom, and that like crying is attributed, attributed to something unknown. So that's how it's basically defined. So what we need to do is really find out what is that unknown, what is the root cause, and um, it's really worth investigating for for parents like it's even if you find okay it, it was just something harmless or it, it's just actually that but why why risk that baby um, has disadvantages for the rest of her life because we've all overlooked something and and I heard that story like quite often that moms have been told oh this is normal and then they found out like a year and a half later that that it wasn't and I want to give an example of um, uh, somebody named Lynn, who was given that advice, and she was uh, going through depletion and baby colic and really tried to help her baby, but just could not find out what it is. And doctor said, well, just just wait it out. Um, It'll go away. So she really tried to be a hero and tried to push through and tried to push past her depletion. And she even kept on working out with a personal trainer and tried to be so healthy, but she felt like crying when working out. And when her son was already a year and a half old, she found out that there actually was a real reason for her baby's endless crying and a year and a half of sleepless nights. But by then it was too late for, for Lynn 
because she'd reached her breaking point and she ended up with adrenal fatigue and an autoimmune condition that she's still dealing with eight years later. So moms really like don't just uh, settle with, this is normal, you're a mom now and your baby's crying is normal. Like if your gut's telling you there's something not quite right, um, follow that and just look into it. In the worst case, you find out, okay, actually we're okay. But in the best case, like you find something and you actually are able to take care of it. So think, thinking back again for my son, so we've always talked about how he was such an intense baby. And part of it was a lot of what you described describes my son um, to the point where we could pick him up underneath his armpit and hold him. And he, his body would be so tight that he was just ramrod straight. It's just he was just so bunched up. Mm -hmm. um, with, with tenseness. And that was during this time that we were told that he had colic. Um, so it makes sense. He also had, had the, the eczema and, um, you know, and, and very sensitive skin. Yeah. So I'm sure a lot of these things are there. So for a young parent that's listening to this, so you're telling them to investigate, where are they going to investigate? Are they going to the doctor that told them it was colic or how do they know where to start with this? Yeah. So I definitely, um, like check, connections like for example when they just ate something and then after that they're like altered like they're, they're crying or they're cranky or there's okay. a, all of a sudden the skin's flushing or something like that um and to, to actually take note like yourself because every baby is different so there there's also not just like one one or two things you do for colic for everybody like it doesn't work like that it's it's about symptoms and looking at okay the connection where it's coming from and if you have a good doctor that can actually you know, help you with that, that would be great. But unfortunately, most doctors are simply not trained in that, um, not even pediatricians, unfortunately. So it's something it's something we do in like a thorough assessment. It's something I do with my clients, um, with mom and baby. And we got to look at mom and baby together, like they're like um, really intertwined. And um, also like we do like a lot of... Uh, like working over a period of time to work with the body's feedback because we really got to see, okay, how does, how does that body work? How does that body like this? Like, how did this work? And if it doesn't work, we got to fine tune and adjust. So, right. yeah. I like, I like the point that you made about um, keeping notes and just kind of recording what's happening because then you'll start to see patterns with it. And, um, and so I, I, I wish I had had you when, when, when my son was small, because it would have been easier, I think, to at least just to know that some of those concerns that we had in, you know, was it a feeding issue? Was it, was it an allergy of some sort? You know, the, the eczema that was already showing up, things like that, you know, where is that happening? And yeah. not being able to really know beyond just being told this was just a normal phase. So I, I think this is this is great information that you're providing here. Yeah, and I wish so, I could give you like a quick answer here, but it could be like many right. many things. Like food food issues can be can be one problem, especially because baby is so has such a brand new system, right? Like it can't just right. handle things how how we can as adults. Um, and like foods can be one thing, but it's not necessarily always the cause. Like it could just be one trigger of something else going on in the gut. Like it could be like microbes, for example, or there could be even toxins in, in the body easily from, from food, from sprayed food, comes through the breast milk, from things from formula, things in our environment. Um, 
so like there's unfortunately not like one one quick answer but but just to right. really actually start asking questions and looking at it and what's actually going on instead of just labeling it is oh this is just colic we just have to wait months and it's going right. to get better instead of actually like investigating if that makes sense right. no i i i really like like that this is being shared the um now you talked a little bit about your connection with getting started with this but what inspired you to focus on the link between baby colic and gut health and mental health the three of those together yeah yeah definitely my experience with my with my own um daughter especially with the first first one i have two daughters um the first one is four now the other one is two but with my first daughter um uh, when she went through colic like she was just inconsolable and it came to a point like people always told me, oh, it's going to get better. It's going to get better. And like I tried to do all the things where right? we got the we got the family bed, the big we bought the big mattress, the king mattress. We bought the swivel mm -hmm. sleeper so she would be as close as possible to me if I ever want to put her in her own bed. We bought like the whatever four months uh, electric swing that would swing her at night. Like nothing right. worked, yeah. nothing. And she woke up like. Like it got worse and worse till to a point where she woke up every 45 minutes to nurse wow. and she just needed that comfort and it just drove me crazy. Like I really wanted to do that for her, but I just could not. But right. when we actually started asking questions and looked into her gut health and started taking care of things, she was a totally different child. Like wow. she was calm, happy. She actually slept. <laughs> she slept for like... At first, three hours at a time, which was unheard of before, then five hours at a time. So it was like so obvious that connection between her emotional and mental well-being and um, actually that what we call colic or gut health and actually taking care of the problem. And then again, when she was two and a half, she developed an eczema um, starting on her private parts and it it looked really bad, like it was like a burn and it really hurted her and bothered her and then it was in her beautiful face and then eventually it moved to the whole body and wow. again, I could have just brushed it off as, oh, it's a normal two-year-old, terrible tooth, right. um, just going through these emotions because it came with like extreme, extreme emotions and it was like, like not that she was never upset before or never had a meltdown before or after but it just a sudden just changed to this extremeness and when when the rash came so i was like okay there there must be some connection um yeah. but we could have just been like well this is normal uh they must grow out of eczema that's what people say <laughs> and we'll just slap on some steroids um but we actually like like i actually felt like okay, there was something for me to listen to something to do and we actually took care of it by number one by adjusting her nutrition um and Again, that's very individual because, you know, what was right for her might not be right for another baby. So we had to work a lot right. with the feedback uh, for her. Then number two, actually cleansing her, her system gently. And number three, also taking care of emotional and energetic factors. And again, after that, she was like a totally different child. So it was just so interesting and obvious, that connection. But I actually was already interested in that topic, like when it was about my own um health and the connection to my mental health and it was just again so obvious and also from working with clients um for over 10 years it's it's just like a very obvious thing and there are lots and lots of 
um, studies on that as well. So yeah, I basically got interested in it because of my, my own story. Um, and and it's good we went through this because now I can I can help others um, with that. So it's all good for something. Well, the way that you're explaining it, I can see how they all go together because even if it's just the eczema and nothing else, that's painful where she where she had it especially and so you can only take so much irritation before it starts wearing away your patience as an adult even if you have an area that's that's uncomfortable your your patience is shorter your temper is shorter and yeah. so thinking of a two-year-old even more so you would see see those little outbursts and things too when i introduced you i mentioned the term postnatal depletion and you've mentioned that as well Many of our new mothers experience exhaustion, but what sets postnatal depletion apart from exhaustion? Yeah, um, so postnatal depletion is a syndrome that includes exhaustion, but it's not limited to it. And it has to do with the depletion from pregnancy, uh, childbirth, and postpartum. And so many moms, they're already depleted as they enter pregnancy. Then they create this baby human um, from her own resources, even if she doesn't have enough. And nature always favors the baby, like the placenta mm -hmm. actually shoves the nutrients to the baby, even if mom is depleted. And it's a wonderful mechanism because any mom would want that. But it comes at the cost of the mother who's very often being left depleted. And um, then childbirth is just this major transcendental and taxing life event uh, of a woman and then when she would actually need to rest and recover then she's taking care of her baby pretty much 24 7 and there's just right. not enough support for moms in our modern modern society and moms often think they should do do it alone and it really doesn't have to be just one or the other like we can actually take care of mom and of baby <laughs> so we don't have to completely sacrifice for baby and it's it's also not really good for baby. Like mom needs to be taken care of too. And baby's health is also dependent on mom's health as we, as we um, touched upon. So this, this depletion is something that actually happens physically. It's a real thing. Um, so for example, a mother's brain actually shrinks five to 8% during pregnancy. So mm. and this is something we need to take care of and, and nourish and replete. <laughs> and it's also a, a postnatal depletion is also a thing that affects mothers um, mentally and emotionally. So it happens on on several levels and affects really all spheres of a mother's life. So it's not just exhaustion, although that's a big part of it. And it's very common. It's not just new mothers, but all mothers. And often it affects mothers even later. Like sometimes it's the first child that really takes it out of us, but often it's that things are being compounded as um, the, the more children we have and um, it's yeah it's very common and it, it can last for a long time so this advice of oh, just wait it out it's gonna be over after whatever three months or six months it's in most cases like this can last like five to ten years if we're not taking care of it properly mm. and also it can turn into into other problems again it's just all symptoms like the body's messages of telling us there's something going on and if we're not taking care of the body of the person then the body's going to give us louder and louder messages till we take care and there's this uh, book by dr gabor mate um which, which i studied under as well um it's called when the body says no so like till we're actually listening to a body saying no okay you haven't had enough you got to take care of yourself uh, and the, eventually the body will say no for us and so many 
mums end up with adrenal fatigue and autoimmune conditions. Um, it's just very, very common with mums. And the longer we wait, the more difficult it is to repair. Wow. Wow. Yeah, because you're the first person I've talked to that I've ever heard that, that term before. So that's why I was, I was wondering. How, yeah. how recent is it since they've, they've been talking about this? Is it, is it really recent? Very recent, yeah, just in the last few years, although it's not a new thing. Although I believe it's more common in modern society than it used to be. But even like we, we talked to just like a grandma lately and her um, aunt was like also being put in a mental institution during postpartum. She just could not handle it. It was it was wow. too much. So it's it's not a new thing, but I think um, just with the the modern medical system and how society is just not supporting mums, I think it's actually um, more and more common. But it, but the term is a new term, and only only slowly the medical world is actually putting attention to this. So there are there are um, health expert doctors that that are like treating this, but it's like it's right. it's very hard to find. So that's why I really uh, wanted to specialize on this because like I. It took me a long time to find help, and I had to pull it together from so many different angles. Yeah, well, because because you hear um, postpartum depression when you mention that, that's that's something that at least in my lifetime has been tossed around. You hear you hear of that quite often, but this is not the same thing. Um, exactly. Though it sounds yeah, like, like that could be part of this, but not exactly not the full piece. Like I would say, postpartum depression is actually part of postnatal depletion. Um, and and like when I when I went through this, I was so glad to find out about this because I was like, well, either it's postpartum depression or not. So either we're right. okay or we're totally <laughs> depressed, postpartum depressed. But that there's actually there's so many stages in between that moms can be like a little bit depleted, they can be severely depleted. It can it can address more those and those levels for this mom and for another mom, it's more different levels and expresses itself in different ways. So. Um, Right. Yeah, it's really good for moms to see, okay, there's actually a real thing going on with me. It's a real health condition, and, and there's something I can do about this, and there's help. So I don't just have to have to um, suck it up as a mom because this is what it's like being a mom, and that's what moms are being told, unfortunately. Right. Well, I'm thinking, too, of how many how many moms I know. Um, I mean, I even had with, with my first um, toxemia going into to the delivery. So for the last month, my body was fighting its own health with trying to carry my child at the same time. So now I'm trying to care for her internally, trying to care for myself. So I didn't hit the delivery stage at the optimum health level that it could have been. Yeah. You know, and how many others have had, have had medical issues that they're facing that may have jeopardized the pregnancy. So they're having to go on bed rest, things like that. So they're already going in depleted before they even go to the delivery itself. Yeah. And then, um, and then the, as you say, you know, you've, you've pretty much your, the baby's here. Surprise. You're, you're taking care of this baby 24 hours a day now. <laughs> and there's, there's no time to even think about yourself anymore. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So it's, it's, it's not surprising that this is it, but I'm glad that modern day medicine at least is recognizing that there's something there. And I'm thinking of how much stronger our moms can be now by having the opportunity to be able to address these needs and to not feel bad about saying, I need help. I need, you know, I'm, I'm not feeling right right now. Something needs to, to change yeah. to make me a better mom. 
Yeah, I think it's really something we need to spread the word and, and the awareness because um, most moms still feel guilty to actually take care of just their basic needs even and um, actually like take some time to, to take care of the body and and um, what's often just recommended is just like a standard diet for mothers and okay jump right back into exercise but um, right. actually we gotta we gotta take care of this syndrome we gotta take care of the part, body and and replenish everything a mom on, on all those levels and not just nutrition but it's, it's something that's yeah that's not well known and and i'm feeling very passionate about um <laughs> spreading this because it made like all the difference in my life and now in the women i'm i'm working with just just knowing this the other thing i'm thinking of too is how many just because my kids are older now you know you you meet other moms who are younger and you you always want to give them advice or or just share um, things that that you learned on your journey um, is kind of, kind of what what water prayer is all about as far as trying to help help share our journeys with each other but the um, but how many moms I meet who are young and are at the stage where their child's not sleeping through the night yet and and you know whenever you ask you know are you finding ways to to rest whenever your child is sleeping they always say you know no the house needs to be cleaned I need to do this that's my time for me to do the things that I want to do and I understand that, but I don't know if they recognize that the, their body needs that rest so that they can't, you know, it's such a short time. The things that they want to do yeah. will be there in a few months whenever their child is sleeping through the night and they can get a good night's sleep too. But it is yeah. hard, as, especially a first time mom, because, you know, you still want to do things. You still want to be able to, to, to talk on the phone with your friend or to, to have somebody over when, when it's just you. But it, you're doing that at the expense of taking care of yourself, too, during that time. Yeah, and it's something so common. And I definitely did that with my first <laughs> daughter. Not anymore with my second. I, I learned something. Right. Than, <laughs> but I think there's the subconscious pressure that we put on ourselves. So that's maybe also expected from from society to, to bounce back as soon as possible. Right. Well, first of all, there is really no bouncing back. Like everything's different <laughs> after birth. Like we're different. We're like went through like a major initiation and we're not meant to be how we were before birth. The subconscious pressure of like, okay, I, I gotta get back on my food, feet as much as uh, like as soon as possible and all of that. So, um, and, and that's what we're being told and that we're being taught. So um, I think it's really important to to share that with moms because like, I, re I remember I, I could not even accept that from a friend who actually came over and said, well, I'll, I'll, I'll be with your baby for an hour. You take a nap and well, you I sleep. just right. not do it at the time. I, I First of all, I was too worried about baby and I just felt so responsible <laughs> and so guilty for lying down and I could have, I could have not slept anyway. So the second baby I could, so... <laughs> Yeah, I, I was the same way. It was with the first. It was like I, I wanted that companionship with my friend, so I didn't want to go sleep because I wanted to visit with her too. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it, you know, it, and that's part of it too because you've been in isolation for a little while, so you're ready for for friendships. But and um, that can be beneficial come, too. Yeah, it can, yeah. it can. But you need both. You do need your rest too. Definitely. So yeah. we talked a little bit about um, the mental health side of it. So and and I think there's there's extremes that everyone can understand of how a mother's mental health can impact the baby's health. But I don't think what you're talking about is, is the extremes of mental health. I think you're talking about just the mother's basic mental health and how that can affect the, the baby. Can you explain that a little bit more for me? So it can be, it can be, um, extreme or can be, can be not extreme really. Um, 
but um, babies really sense the mother's energy and state and if the mother is not doing well then the baby definitely gets affected by it like more than than we think so even if the mo mother doesn't want that of course and of course is really trying to protect her baby it, it can still happen for example when a mother is just being sad and depressed even if she's trying to hide it the baby will notice that and will definitely influence the baby's nervous system because the nervous systems are so tied together like like they were just one like till baby came out like they were one for right. the longest time and so they're still kind of a little bit like one and and definitely also when the mother is stressed or, or angry and that's also that's for both of the parents it, it will affect the baby because the vi environment we're in affects us and even even still when we're in the womb it, it does it does affect us and children easily take on their parents burdens um, to a degree and it's very well known how our emotions affect our physical and mental health and they can even have a stronger effect on us than, than the kind of diet we we eat and same with babies and i'm aware of that this is a highly sensitive topic and i don't want to scare any parent here and I just want to mention here that, that really none of us had a perfect childhood and some difficulties also good for our evolution. However, there is help and there are things we can do to help the mother and therefore the child and vice versa. So we really don't have to settle here by just, just waiting it out and sucking it up basically. And uh, we really need to take care of mom and baby in tandem together. So quite often I see that Oh, like they say, oh, baby has colic and now maybe we'll cut out these, whatever, five foods and and that's it. Instead of actually looking at, okay, what's going on for the mom or is she breastfeeding or um, what's going on energetically or vice versa. Like, oh, mom having a hard time um, with anxiety or with sleep, for example, then we'll just give her some some anxiety pills or sleeping pills instead of taking care of, oh, well, if the baby's crying all night, like no wonder the mom has like anxiety and right. can't sleep. So we really got to look at this this unit together, <laughs> mama and baby. Um, so that's something I've, I've learned to really treat treat both of them together. And it's, yeah, as, you, as we just touched upon earlier, it's so important that a mother t really takes time for herself. And I know this can be the most difficult thing for moms. It, it has been for me and still somehow is. However, it's just so crucial, not just for the mom, but for everyone in the family. Because like the mother is just like one of the most important parts in the family and, and that happened to be um, this person or that person, but it doesn't mean that person is now, I don't know, better or get something special, but it's just like that's how the family unit work, works. The mother needs this kind of a care and that will affect everybody. And if the mother's doing better, then she can also take care better of, of everybody. Um, but what's quite common is that moms just wait till they break down until they really allow to take care of themselves and even just like a couple of minutes of, of hiding in the bathroom to do like a short reset and reconnect with ourselves of like what's actually going on, like what what am I feeling um, can be super helpful because um, we're being we're being told to just bottle things up and push through, mm -hmm. but we're never like actually looking at what's going on or when the kids are sleeping um, or playing, if the kid um, doesn't have naps anymore, you can also like lie down next to your child and actually um, close your eyes if you know they're, they're safe um, for as, as much as possible and, and just like actually rest rather than trying to catch up on the laundry. Um, and it's really good for a child also to see when the mother takes care of herself, like that's how they, how they learn that and a mother that actually 
has some boundaries like the children really need that from us they don't want us to destroy ourselves for them <laughs> and that's what we often think and they will they will learn to do the same in life if they see us actually taking care of ourselves and um, there are techniques we can do that are more powerful even than naps that only take a few minutes because I know mothers don't have time they're being interrupted all the time so there are things that mothers can do that are actually many more times recharging so taking care of the nervous system to which everything else is tied to in the body is just like so crucial um, and an important aspect of what we need to do to help mothers balance their nervous system and give them practical tools so they can do this on their own so um, for the sake of baby and mom because it's so tied together that the most two most important things for moms I recommend here is really to take time for themselves and do whatever works best for you to improve your state whatever you need to do and and that can be even a few minutes here and there like even a few minutes stretching here and there for example even if you don't make it to the hour and a half yoga class that's something I really had to right. learn that it's not all or nothing yeah. and we just have to be <laughs> more creative um, like just to change the energy in the body um, and, and that will also help help our children. And then number two is, is to get support. We all need someone to talk to and someone that can help us get back up on our feet when, when things are overbearing. And I know this can be a real challenge for moms to, to ask for help and do something for ourselves, spend money for ourselves. And, and I've been there and I, and I found... Um, really only when I opened up to other moms and I was vulnerable with um, the challenges I was going through, all of a sudden they opened up to me and and, and almost everybody had a very similar story that, and I, I didn't even think that of, of that person. Like I, you don't always see that from the outside. But then when, when you become vulnerable, all of a sudden others are vulnerable too and you see how many people are dealing with this. And... Um, going a little bit off topic here, but um, no, I just you're, you're fine. This is good. Okay, I just wanted to say, I just um, really want to remind moms that even it's difficult for you to take time or spend money for yourself to get help. It's it's not just about you because your well-being um, is the well-being of your baby and the rest of your family. And when you thrive, your family thrives too. What are some common symptoms that mothers experience with postnatal depletion? Yeah, so um, the most obvious one would be severe fatigue. And when you wonder, okay, what does that mean? So if in the last two weeks you would rate your fatigue um, on a scale from 1 to 10, 10 being, let's say, zombie-like, super <laughs> super fatigue, um, if you would rate your fatigue from a 6 to 10 over the last two weeks. Also, if you're tired even after a good night's sleep, that's definitely a symptom. Um, brain fog, a.k.a. baby brain or mom brain. Mm -hmm. And if you're forgetful, you just can't think. Um, hypervigilance coupled with unease or anxiety, if you just can't relax and you're just on constant alert. Um, a sense of guilt or shame around the role of being a mother. So if you feel like you're doing everything wrong, if you're guilty for taking some time for yourself. Um, but also quite common is loss of self-esteem. So when you felt like you were capable, confident, and ambitious before you had baby and then everything changed and you'd turn into this anxious, unmotivated, unsocial person that just wants to hide at home. So that's what moms quite often experience as well. Um, another symptom would be when they're feeling overwhelmed and are unable to cope and they're like either losing it or tuning out on a regular basis. Uh, also aches and pains in the body that are... Um, 
new that have, haven't been there before baby, uh, digestive issues that have worsened since baby, um, and also health conditions, new health conditions that showed up in pregnancy or postpartum. And another symptom would be uh, loss of libido. And also if, if it has been a while, if it's been like one, three or five years since your last childbirth and you're still feeling like you've never recovered. So it's sometimes a little bit hard to pinpoint postnatal depletion because it's a syndrome, not a disease. But I have a postnatal depletion test um, that I can share later where, where people can find that. So moms can just okay. take that online and, and check. Excellent. Um, so before we wrap this up, what are some um, some advice or some tips that you would give to new mothers who are struggling with exhaustion and postnatal depletion? Yeah. Um, so one thing is uh, nutrition, just to really look at nutrition and not follow any general nutrition advice that's from the internet. And also to not just kind of go into dieting or looking at calories and just looking at calories. Um, and yeah, we, we do need more calories when we breastfeed, but it's really um, about the quality of the nutrients. So um, we want to get nutrient-dense foods that are easy to digest because digestion really suffers in um, pregnancy and um, through childbirth. Like hormones also really throw that out of balance and an also high fat meals, so don't skim out on, on fats. So pressure cooked meals would be really great for the pleated mothers. Um, and and to really to not follow any one size fits all approach, but again to listen to your body of of what you need. So for example, if you don't feel like eating any cold foods from the fridge, that makes a lot of sense because it's really good to have warming foods that support digestion at that time. Um, and what happens is that mothers just often like follow these fat diets, which are not suited for recovering and depleted mothers, and they're definitely also not tailored to the individual. So. Um, now looking at looking at exercise, um, what I want to say here is like similar advice to um, not follow like just the standard exercise regime of okay the doctor said after six weeks you're good to go. That doesn't mean like okay now you can do everything you did before because um, you're not really good to go because the tissues are still healing and um, tissues are very very soft still from the hormones so. Um, Exercise is important, but it's important to not do anything that's too much because it can be really harmful if it's if it's too early or too intense. And so many mothers are struggling with um, diastasis recti, which is separation of the abdominal wall or pelvic floor issues. So we really got to um, even look into specific um, exercises for that. So again, listen to your body. And also what I want to say here is for moms to really pay attention to the emotional state because it's not just postnatal depletion isn't just on the level of nutrition, but it's really about, um, like it's, it's on seven levels. Uh, um, so one of it is really emotional, energetic. So we got to look at, for example, at birth traumas, possibilities of, of birth trauma, which is quite common, or traumas op often come up for mums, um, their own traumas from childhood or something. Once they have their own babies, it's very interesting. And you want to check in how well you handle stress, for example. And if you don't handle stress well, it's not there's nothing wrong wrong with you. It's actually a symptom again of okay something we need to take care of. So um, and I also want to say like while well, supplements can be can be important, um, we really cannot take care of postnatal depletion just with supplements alone. Um, 
and and I know it's suggested online, but it's it's really a syndrome that happens on so many different levels, and it's a really important aspect to actually look at um, energetic blocks of healing, for example, nervous system, um, underlying beliefs, and so on. So. Um, like, well, I can't explain it maybe within like a quick minute, but what, what I want to say here from moms is to just look at um, what's going on, like when they feel a, an emotion, to just uh, develop some awareness of something's going on here, maybe some some patterns, and, and to not just like bottle it up, but um, feel it, hold space for it, be kind to yourself, and that it's it's nothing bad but that eventually we just uh, get to discern that this is not really who we are, but it's just an influence. And um, while it can be extremely uncomfortable to feel, it's it's really not not bigger than us. And it's um, it's part of the work I do with with my moms. So um, we'll, we'll go deeper into all of that if moms are interested in learning that. Excellent. And because some of our listeners may not be future moms or moms who have just gone through this experience, they may be a neighbor or a friend or a family member of someone who is at this stage of life. Do you have any suggestions for them of how they can support that young mom? Or even if it's when the, in the first few years, as you're saying, it could be more than just right after childbirth, but, but how yeah. they can help support that. Yeah, definitely. Um, so definitely to keep on reaching out to that mom, because a mom might just say, no, I'm like, if you just ask, how are you? Like, just let me know when you need something. It's very unlikely that mom's going to say, oh, and I'm, I'm not doing okay. And I'm going, I'm actually going to pick up the phone and say, hey, I need some help. Like, it's very unlikely. So it's, it's really important to actually keep on reaching out or just showing up, just maybe bringing some food by, put it by the doorstep and actually ask the mom what's the right food. Because I remember in the beginning, I was too polite to turn on any food and then I <laughs> couldn't eat it because my baby... Um, was reacting to certain foods, so I had to give it to my husband. So, like people really like uh, knowing how how a mom needs to be supported. So just if even if a mom feels shy to tell you, just like ask ask the mom. So food is always a really good idea, or coming by and actually not just um, coming for a visit, but actually come pick up pick up some dishes and like, do it in a sensitive way so mom doesn't feel bad about it. Like just super natural or pick up pick up the baby so the mom is comfortable with that so the mom can have a shower or lie down. Um, and like what I found really helpful is actually to have a, to put a sign on the door for the mom that can be written like midwife's notice of like with some uh, guidelines for for visitors, especially if it's, if mom just has given birth a few weeks ago with some rules of like whatever, on your way out, like pick up some garbage or like wash some dishes and wash your hands before you can, oh, yeah. all these things that moms might be shy to say that, but to actually help her um, protect her cave, hold her space and and help mm -hmm. with some people that might not know how to do it properly. And, and maybe one more tip is um, like, well, it's nice to give... Uh, baby gifts as as a gift like whatever new new jumpers or toys but like the baby's okay because the mom's taking care of baby perfectly but like help the mom and what's a really good idea is actually just collect some money or to start like a fundraiser or something just everybody gives a little bit so that the mom can actually get the support she needs for some for some self-care um, I think that's like a really really good gift <laughs> nice Nice. I, I like that. Thank you. So 
we've talked about a lot of different things, and some of our listeners are going to be in your area or close enough to be able to work with you. If someone wanted to join one of your groups or to work with you, how would they get in contact with you? Yeah, um, so my website is heartfood.com. That's H-E-A-R-T hyphen F-O-O-D dot com. So they can um, read a little bit about everything and join my free Facebook group from there and write me from there. And um, also they can follow me on social media, for example, on Instagram. Well, good. We'll, We'll put those links in the show notes. So whether you're listening to the audio or on the website or watching the video, look where the notes are and you'll be able to see those. The, those links to be able to to see what she's doing on her website and to get in touch with her if you need to. So what else do you have going on? So tell us a little bit more about what you're doing with the Facebook group and things like that. Yeah, so I opened a, a free Facebook group to support moms that are going through this and like a place where also they can meet and support each other and help each other. Usually moms are at different stages, so it's really good to get together and to see, okay, we're not the only one going through this and there there is help and other moms made it through and um if moms want more um one-on-one support and also more group support i'm focusing uh, currently on uh, what i call postnatal depletion recovery which is a 12-week transformation for moms um from i call it from zombie to goddess and at the same time we're taking care of babies' distress, so it's for moms and babies, and really look at, okay, what's going on at underlying um, root causes. And we also include the other kids usually in that, and even the husbands quite often, so really the whole family is is uh, taking care of you. And it's really not just about um, managing symptoms, or it's not at all about managing symptoms, or trying to just uh, do some co- coping strategies, but we're actually taking care of what's going with moms and babies. And... Um, yeah, as I said, it's completely tailored to mom and baby and individual pace and needs. So for moms that are looking for that close support, um, this is this is for them. So they can just check out the Facebook group. Um, it's through my webpage you can get there or it's on Facebook, okay. um, Facebook groups. And I also offer free 60-minute um, calls for moms, um, call them conquer fatigue calls, um, that are totally free so just to see what's going on for moms and see if it's maybe a good fit um look at the baby's symptoms and moms can apply for that on the website or from within the the facebook group great great well christiana thank you so much for sharing with us today this is a totally new topic for me even though i experienced a lot of what you've described had no idea what that was and um and i know how much it would have helped me and um and i can only imagine how many that are listening, whether they go through it themselves or have someone that they know that they can pass on this information to, to help get them the support that they need. So thank, thank you for sharing this with us today. Thank you so much for having me, Tonya. My pleasure. Yeah. Hey there, Water Prairie listeners. If you're enjoying this show and want to support us, please consider making a donation at buymeacoffee.com slash waterprayer. Your contribution helps us keep bringing you great content week after week. Thanks for listening and for your support. I hope you found our discussion with Christiane insightful and informative. If you're a new mother struggling with postnatal depletion, remember that you're not alone and there is help available. Be sure to check out Christiane's resources and practical tips that she shared today and take the first step towards improving your health and well-being. Thank you for tuning in and until next time, keep taking care of yourself and your loved ones.